Welcome, everybody, to a special edition. This is the year-end edition of Tricky Kid Radio for 2016. I'm your host, Roy Turner. Sitting across from me is my special guest this week, Darren TechForce Columbus. Darren TechForce, welcome to Tricky Kid Radio. Hey, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be here, man. Pleasure chilling with you. One of the best people I know, man. Thank you, sir. I feel the exact same way about you. Uh, it's been a rough year, man. Woo! A rough, rough year, and so we got a lot to talk about. Uh, I know a lot of a lot of negativity has dominated this year. We're going to try to not let that negativity dominate this this episode and this show. Absolutely. Uh, but we also can't be dismissive. I, if, if you're hearing this show right here uh, today, which will be the December 29th on Thursday, then of course it's already been a tough week. Uh, you know, we lost George Michael on on Christmas Day. God, it's been hard. It's and then so a couple hard. days later, we we lost the princess, Princess Leia. And then just today, the you know the very next day, her mother Debbie Reynolds. So right. uh, we just want to obviously say you know we want to say anything cliche, but we definitely want to offer our condolences to 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 everybody directly affected by that. But I know me and you personally. I mean, and like anybody in our generation, or or for that matter, Princess Leia was our princess. She was. She absolutely was. And. Um, I mean, I remember I've watched the entire series my my entire life. Right. Um, it meant everything to see her on screen because she represented power, and 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 she was just your Majesty, and she was commanding, and she was everything that you wanted a princess to be, a person right. to be. That's right. And that's why that that's why and that's why it seems so unacceptable in the sense that because we know that she wasn't, uh, you know, she was only nineteen back then, so she was just barely sixty years old. So. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, Princess Leia has passed, and, and we're very, very sorry. We hate to start the show off like that, but again, there was just so much turmoil. At times, it feels like this this year has been one long, cruel prank of some sort. You know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. But we're gonna play some music here for you. We're gonna get into a, a lot of things. There was some positive things that happened this year. It's it's almost like Bizarro World this year. Um, and, uh, and and like I said, you know, it was kind of like, are any of us gonna make it out of here alive? You know, it's like it's like it, it was Christmas time and. And uh, you're thinking, okay, all right, you know, it's been a tough year. Let's celebrate the holidays. And then it's just, it's just, it seems relentless. Yeah, it's. I mean, you know, you, you go through the year and um, you really try to have a positive attitude. Then you hear about one of the people that you grew up with that means so much with you. Yeah, has passed. Yeah. So that puts a damper on what you do. Um, so that's why it's even more important that we stay positive and we keep doing the things we're doing for them in memory of them. That's that's right. That's right. And and. But whenever you can't catch your breath, I, I'll, I'll tell you what really set the tone is, you know, I don't I don't care if somebody is 94 or 24. I don't like it when when somebody because they were a bit older, it seems to be more acceptable. It's probably easier to deal with. And that's a natural thing. Right. But I don't think it makes their life any less or their death any less impactful. Absolutely. Um, but having said that, and not that anybody's life is is or death is even you know, more grandiose or greater or more, more impactful or important than anybody else's because we're all, we're all one. Yeah. But there's these magical beings. There's these mystical figures, okay, uh-huh. out there that seem to be immortal. Uh, and, and especially when it comes out of left field. Right. Um, what really set the tone was back in January when we lost David oh, Bowie. Oh, man. That still, to me, feels like a kick in the gut where I, you know, I lost the, the wind was knocked out of us, right? And we've never been we we have we've never recovered since. It's like being knocked to the ground, 
And you know, like you gotta kinda catch your breath. Yeah. And then you get hit again and yeah. you're thinking, Oh my god, I ain't never gonna catch my breath, you right. know? And so with David Bowie in the beginning of the year, yeah, I talked about, about about this on a previous episode, but uh-huh. uh, you know, it was this very bizarre thing because David Bowie is one of those figures where you're never prepared. No. You're never pre- I mean, I would never no. never but you know, but not warm in his bed at 104, surrounded by his by his grandchildren. It's like David Bowie was so, I guess, reclusive that it was how we keep up with these people because we're not part of their day-to-day lives. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, is, uh, is just what our memories of them, okay? So we didn't know David Bowie was sick or ill or anything like that. He didn't let on but, at all. But but in, in, in a class act to the end, right. but he knew it because... Maybe you, you do or, or don't know this, but the, the number one Tricky Kid album of the year, and this isn't in that uh, retrospective type kind of, well, we have to honor this guy because he passed away. But if you guys go to trickykid.com, and of course you can see that the top 25 albums uh, of the year that we rank, that we do every single year, the number right. one was David Bowie's Black Star. And the reason why uh, wasn't because he passed away, because it was the most brilliant record I heard this year, which is, that's what I mean, is that he was relevant in his contributions were vital and important to the very end. And the whole album is about his death. Yeah. And he released it literally two days before and and then and then left us. So I couldn't say it any better than that. So so for the first song we're gonna play for on on for Tricky Kid Radio that really set the pace for 2016. This is an important song, an important thing to really set the tone. This is David Bowie's Black Star.
Something happened on the day he died The spirit rose a meter and stepped aside Somebody else took his place and bravely cried I'm a black soul An angel fall. How many people lie instead of talking tall? He trod the sacred ground. He cried loud into the crowd.
again, that was the title track from the uh, the number one Trippy Kid album, 2016, with David Bowie's Black Star. And again, what a what an insane, unthinkable uh, thing to happen, and also to start the year off in that way. And, yeah. And but the punches just kept coming. And again, I don't want the celebrity deaths to, to dominate this episode the way that it did this year, along with the whole political stuff. But yeah. Um, but then, you know, just a few days later, like Glenn Fry from Eagles, from the Eagles, it was at the end of the Eagles, and uh, right. I think Alan Rickman from the you know, Alan Harry, Rickman. The Yeah, the yeah, yeah Harry Potter nice. and Die Hard movies, and of course, my favorite, my favorite holiday movies, because it's a holiday time, we just all love, love Actually, of course. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, but something that was, it's also, you know, very important to reflect upon is that a lot, a lot of people that, of course, that are still with us, but, uh, you know, that did some, some pretty amazing things this year, but like, it was just, it was so difficult and almost impossible to recover from that. And so I, I wanted to tell a, a brief story, that, and I talked about this a little bit, but, um, you know, we all, we all remember our first love. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yes, we do. And thanks to my first love, she was, educated me about David Bowie. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I learned. And so I, in turn, taught her about Prince. Huh. And so... And anybody that knows me, of course, know you spend five minutes with me knows that Prince is not only my favorite musician, but he's my greatest influence. Uh, everything I've ever done in my life, of course, I have my own thoughts and my own, you know, art and, and uh, you know, to express. Right. But his influence has breathed a little bit of magic in about everything I've ever done. And, you know, her and I had spoken, you know, we still trying to stay in touch. And we hadn't talked in about seven years. And I knew I needed, she even lives in London, England. So, you know. Oh, okay. And I knew I needed to comfort her, yeah. In spite of whatever past acrimony that that was there, yeah. And uh, and then, but who knew that just a month later, a couple months later, she was going to have to do the same thing with the man. And now you want to talk about unacceptable and unthinkable. I would not have been ready for Prince's death if he was ninety nine, nineteen ninety nine. Uh, you know, uh, but that again, we're talking about Prince, a a a, a magical. Being, if he has no shot at making it, what, what, chance, what chance did you have? Right. Now, yeah. we already did, of course, a four-episode thing. I, I, I implore everyone that's listening right now to go uh, back to Tricky Kid Radio because we did a, a full retrospective, me and my sister, uh, who, who turned me on to Prince. I always thought it was only right to have her do what, that what with me. What a great sister you have to do something. That's right. I used to, I used to go and stick in her room. And stare at the 1999 album cover because I didn't know what it was. It just looked weird. Yeah. And it's a weird album. Yeah. And I like the I like the way I like the way the you know the needle felt in my hand when I would put it on the record, and I'd hear all this. You know, Especially. I felt like I was doing something that, you know just a little bit wrong but totally right. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we did a four episode thing. So so we would cover the 80s, 90s, every decade. You know, of, of his of his output. So. Mm-hmm. I implore you to go and check that out. But before we move on from that, I wanted to, to, to hear some uh, a Prince memory of yours there, Darren. Um, well, it's funny you mention that because my, my older brother, Michael, is probably one of the biggest Prince fans. Uh, Prince inspired him to pick up the guitar. Oh, okay. And uh, he's been playing now for about 30 years. Uh, but one of the biggest memories I remember is that he always would get 45s of Prince. Yeah. Prince. And there was one um, that was, of course, hard to find now from, I think, the Sign of the Times album, Shock and Delica. Right, right, right. I, when I would walk past his room and I heard this, this track, Shock and Delica, I went inside and I heard it and I was like, what is this? Yep. 
oh, this is uh, Prince. This is Prince. It became him. It went from him listening to it to me stealing the record and playing it every day. Shockadelica right. became my life. That's right. That's and, right. And that was just one of the songs that was just brilliant to me. It just, and that's just one of just one. the millions that he has that, that had that same impact. Yes. I didn't want to cut you off. Please no, 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 absolutely. And and that led me to listen to Sign of Times, listen to Under the Sherry Moon. And going backwards, because you got to say I was, I was a young kid at the time. For sure. sure. But listening to Prince helped me and, and everyone else have a better appreciation for music. Right. But for me, I got to be honest, it, yeah. it transcended everything for me. Yeah. Because like what you just said, 1999 for me and the song the song automatic was no longer a song it was my identity it was who i was it was the way that i walked it core. was the way yeah it was what you know again i have my own ideas my own yeah. my own magic to to, to to express yeah and everything else but because of prince you know 20s i i you know i thought this my entire life and then Alicia Keys actually said this exact thing I've always said to myself. Yeah. When she inducted them into the Hall of Fame, the Rock Hall of Fame back in 2004, mm -hmm. was she said that because of Prince, I never wanted to be anybody but him. I didn't want to be him. I didn't want to be anybody. But it was because of his strength. Right. That he gave me the strength that I, I don't want to be anybody but me. And you know me well enough to know that I ain't going to fit in anywhere. I got, I got to make my own. I'm my own lane, and yeah. and he was he was he was the lane. It was his own lane. You know what I mean? But, but it was, inspired you to, and cre other people to create to, create yeah. my own lane. That's so awesome. So I've never wanted to be anybody but me. I've, I've never right. tried to to fit in. I've, I've never been you know cool. Tried to be cool. Join the club. Uh, and <laughs> and all the wiser for it. Maybe it didn't yes. feel feel that way at, at, at times, but uh, but it, it's just. I refuse to speak about Prince in the past tense because, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we could talk about, especially what's, what happened lately, what's been going on with the whole Paisley Park nonsense. And, right. and, you know, and it being just way too soon to open up a museum and start talking about it. Like, I mean, like, uh, in that, in that respect. It, yeah. Right. And, and so, but I just wanted to say that for me, it is unacceptable. That and you know I'm sure there's some kind of meme out there, some kind of joke that Prince was holding us all together, and that's what after he, him, and Bowie went, that that's, uh, it all went. You <laughs> yeah, know what I mean? That's right. So, that's right. Uh, there's a there's kind of a, an, another unfortunate connection, is you know, when you and I are both hip hop artists, and uh, and and been so looking, you know, having so much fun collaborating. For those of you that are listening, you probably saw that uh, Tech and I, of course, did this. Uh, 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 Christmas show, and we're actually broadcasting right now live from the Quarter Lounge. We're actually right here, right now, where we yeah. did, where we did that show, That's right? Where we've been hosting uh, some rehearsals. Um, and so, what I wanted to do is, is uh, when we come back, I'm gonna I want to play you a song. One one positive thing that's happened is when we got a tribe called Quest back. Uh, yes, uh, we had a new tribe album this year, absolutely, which is unthinkable. Uh, and especially under you know certain certain circumstances, though, so I wanted to play you uh, the very very first single. Uh, Watch, well, you know what? Instead of playing the first single, I'm going to play you a different track right. uh, from Tribe Called Quest. Maybe a new album it has a very unique title. Okay, you, you look at the title of the new, the new Tribe record. It's very very long, and it was something that Five had come up with. We got it from here. Thank you for your service. That's right. That's right.
And so I'm going to play you a track from that. And let's see here. And that was Whatever Will Be from the new Tribe Called Quest record. The first one. This generation. Unfortunately, you know, uh, while we got a new tribe record, we did lose Fife. Uh, you know, oh but just hearing his voice again, even you know, he was still alive. Just hearing his voice here, you know, we've heard Tip right. with, with some solo stuff, and everything right. else hasn't quite been out of the spotlight. Of course, there's that unreleased Fife, Fife Dog solo album that no one's ever heard, and all that. But, yeah. Um, but uh, before, I wanted to tell a, a connection between Fife and Prince. Before I get to that, I wanted to tell you all about something else super positive about something coming up just here in a few days because like i said for y'all to get a taste of us rocking this at the, at the arcade here on new year's eve yes we are going to end this year probably we're going to put this very sad cruel prank of a year to bed right by blowing the whole the whole town up why don't you darren tell us point tell everybody that's listening about what we got in store for them so, um, me and uh, Tricky Kid will be at the Marvelous NYE, Marvelous Nerd NYE celebrations going down uh, downtown Dallas. At the Sheraton so Dallas. Sheraton da Dallas. And we're going to close out the new year right. So, we're going to, this is pretty much our just closing of 2016 celebratory. We're, we're going to go do our set. I'm, I'm so excited about it because um, me being an MC, um, when you're out there, the one thing that an MC needs that completes him is a DJ. Right. And I found that in Tricky Kid. Thank you, sir. We've been practicing. 
We've been getting everything together. And you know the cool thing about it is that we're both professional. So it doesn't take much. And me and this guy are the same dude. We're both nerds. We both love hip-hop. We both love tribe. Right. We know what it takes to do a good show. And we can't wait to rock NYE right. We're going to put 2016 behind us. We're going to make 2017 work. And we're going to show everybody out there what it's like when you got good music, the things you love. Like you talked about with David Bowie and Prince. That's right. And just move forward. That's right. And surround yourself. And with, with good people and ride together. Because like I said, we're going to put this 2016 thing in this dark cloud behind us. Yes. So on one hand, you're going to feel the release and the, just the, you know what I mean? Like just the, the, the release of finally putting all that behind us. But you're also going to feel something fresh and positive. That's right. And a, new, and, and a positive beginning. That's so right. you're going to see all that. Tickets are still available. Uh, the performance is at 8 p.m. Um, and it's going to be, there's going to be two stages. There's going to be the EDM stage, uh, headlined by Mike Realm, the great Mike Realm. So honored to share a stage with him that night. Yes. Uh, there's going to be a blues band on the other stage. And this is Stan Lee's final con appearance. So uh, the night before, there's going to be a big roast that we'll be at uh, for Stan Lee. It's also his birthday, his 94th birthday. But shout out to our main man, Stan Lee. Shout out to Stan Lee. And we want to thank, thank Marvel and uh, the Marvel Nerdy New Year uh, for having it's going to be a DJ going to be Tech Force in DJ Tricky Kid uh, rocking the EDM stage that night. So 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 come on. There'll be links and everything else on Twitter and on trickykid.com. Right. You can find us at tricky-kid.com. Look us up on Twitter at the handle Tricky Kid and the number two. And Tech, where can they find you? You can find me on techforcecentral.com. Also, my Twitter handle is Tech Force Rises. Um, you can also find me on uh, Facebook as Tech Force Lyrics. That's right. Okay, so now I want to tell uh, this, this 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 little connection here was that the last time I saw Tribe Called Quest perform, and and the last time you know I saw you know of course Five perform, yeah, and Prince perform was actually on the same day. Wow. Okay. Yep. Okay. So I, I tell the story a little bit on a previous episode, but I wanted to tell you this. So okay. Uh, you all know the, the the music industry festival called South by Southwest. It's held in Austin, Texas. Every you know. Yes. And this is uh, in March of 2013, so about three and a half years ago. And you know, Tribe had did this thing where I was fortunate enough to have seen Tribe right when the Midnight Marauders record came out way back in '94. Oh, um, you saw that them live at that time? Yeah. And so when they, they had come to Lollapalooza, and Lollapalooza had come, which was a, a traveling festival back then, had come to Dallas for two days, and it was the same lineup, and they were, and you know, and a lot of people didn't know who they, who they were. They went on early in the day, and me and my friend, shout out to my main man, uh, Greg Weaver out there, uh, we, you know, Midnight Marauders had just come out, we, we knew every word, and we were up front, and then, you know, they were supposed to be able to walk around like normal people, and so we saw five up much older than we are, and we were freaking out. He was just loving the attention. So we got to walk around and hang out with Fife. And, and the, 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 the Phillies hat I'm wearing right now is not only inspired by my own love for the Philadelphia Phillies, growing up as a, as a Phillies fan with Mike Schmidt and Pete Rose and, and all that, whatever. But, yeah, but yeah. the hat that I'm wearing is probably you've seen that picture with, uh, with Fife wearing that, that yes. Phillies hat. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was wearing it that day. And we bonded over, you know, being a Phillies fan. So I got to walk the lawn area. And just hang out with Fife, because uh, he remembered us from the next, from the day before, 
by saying hello. So, you know, and he saw us up front saying all the words and stuff. And so that was, uh, you know, one of my favorite memories, period. You know, and, and, uh, you know, of life. And I've, I've gone on the meet Kip a couple of times, but, but nothing will beat that that special moment because I was a very young person. And, yeah. And so was Greg. So then they broke up in 98, and then they kind of came back on the scene very quick, kind of briefly in 2004. We went and uh, drove down to New Orleans for the Voodoo Music Festival Ooh, because yeah. it, because the lineup was featured back to back sets from De La Soul and Return of the Cop Called Quest. That's incredible. And they Later only times. and they only did like three shows before they broke up again. And like they played someplace in Houston where it was sort of a big festival in front of like like a bar, like a hundred people as a is like a warm up gig. Yeah. I'd known I would have gone, no, you know. No, no, yeah. Uh, so, so here we are. So, so, so now it's now eight, nine years after that. So tribe went down to South by Southwest because Prince had invited them to open the show because back then South by Southwest to this day, whatever, becomes less about this new artist thing trying to be discovered at this festival and we kind of come kind of this kind of corporate kind of pissing contest, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And where you get these big, huge acts to play these tiniest things in front of the most elite people. But that's not really all that cool when you yeah, got the, get the small band that came from Waterloo, Iowa, that paid the $75 application fee to play in front of eight people, and, and, you know, and, and the bartender. But yeah. And I remember that year, it was like MySpace had Justin Timberlake, and some of, I think Facebook had Smashing Pumpkins, and P. Diddy was, you know, all in the same trail on the same night. Yeah. And back there was a place called the Zona Rosa, and uh, it was for the Samsung Galaxy. You had to have your new $700 phone to get it. That was your ticket. You that was your to, ticket. You had to buy it. You had to buy that phone that cost that much money, and there was a special invitation on the newest users, and that's what you scanned. That kept people from, you know, from, oh, uh, well, good Lord. And, you know, from scalping and stuff. Yeah. So imagine a tribe called Quest and Prince in a club that holds about 900 people. In 2013, I was probably in the pocket. Right? And that wasn't an option for me uh, financially <laughs> at that moment. Well, also, they also had sold out of them. Yeah. And there's a long, involved story about how, and I'll, uh, if you see me on the street somewhere, I'll tell you the, the full thing. But I, you know, I was a bit of a connected guy and all that. And so I just, I've been to Arizona Rosa several times. And, and let's just say I just, I found my way in. All right. Use the, the tricky kid magic. That's right, right. Well, basically, all I did was was I just hit it behind a Budweiser truck, and when the, when the guy was was carrying in the uh, the dolly, yeah. uh, so I walked in. They saw my face. They 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 you know from the back door. They'd seen my face before. Nobody stopped me, and also I didn't stop. Right. right. <laughs> and what was funny when I walked in, and I'm watching the show. When the show starts, I look around me. Mm-hmm. And everybody around me was a cast member from the show The Wire, and like, oh, like, like, yeah, least everybody. like Omar, the the girl that looks, it's got the you know, you know, what I mean? the kind of the tough looking girl. Yeah, it's got, yeah, you know, yeah. All of them were like, I don't know what they were. They had something else going on. They didn't even matter. They were just there. Yeah. They were there doing something together. Right. You know, and The Wire was, you know, was kind of a bit was a big deal about four years ago, and so that was the last time that I saw Prince and Five. Same day, and the fact that they're both gone this year is just—it's—it's—it's it's, it's unthinkable to me. It hurts. It does. Yeah, it um, and so I, so I, I love, so I, I love your memories of talking about about you know, Fife and Prince and and uh, but you know I want to counter that with something positive. And, and again, I don't want to be dismissive of this, but it's it's so crazy just to define 
2016 and all of its insanity is that the Chicago Cubs won the World Series this year. Can you believe that? I, it's, I am so happy and so proud of them. It was impossible not to root for them. Yeah. It was 108 years since they, I, they had been to the World Series, let alone win it. You I've never I mean? seen Bill Murray so, so happy. Yes. And I've, uh, seen Bill, and I've seen Bill Murray pretty happy. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, and what's even amazing, this is not an exaggeration, did you know that the Cubs parade and gathering celebration attracted five and a half million people to the point where it was the seventh largest gathering in the history of man. Period. Period. Like, it's in the same company as, like, you know, like, the Shah of Iran, you know, or the Pope, and you know that that sort of like it's in the same company of it's it is bro broken all kinds of records. It is the yeah. seventh largest gathering of humans on record in in mankind's history. Good Lord, not like oh, it was the biggest deal of the year. It was. No, you're talking it's up there with like you know, <laughs> it's like Rome. And right? Yeah. <laughs> it's that. That's. <laughs> That's what a big deal that was. Okay, that's not a Chicago yeah. thing. That's not an American no. thing. That's this, not is a world this is this is a human thing. Yeah. Right? So we're all Cubs fans this year. Yes. And I love this thing about, about Bill Murray. I wanted to do this thing. Is that Bill Murray on Saturday Night Live uh, with four of the guys and the you know the, the all stars of the team saying this this song that, that just took over Chicago uh, this summer and this season called just simply called go cubs go and it yeah. goes hey chicago what do you say the cubs are world champs today yeah and so it's hard not to get behind that especially when we so badly needed some comfort this year some type of good news so i'm gonna play you go cubs go the theme uh that really took over the you know the, the it's an original composition entitled go cubs go <laughs> That, that, that uh, sounds fantastic, yes. Wait a second, who are these guys? Uh, they're our backup singers. We didn't know that it was against the rules. <laughs> we'll overlook it. Take it away, guys. Baseball season's underway. Well, you better get ready. It's a brand new day. Let's go. That's right. Okay, so now something else crazy that happened is 
uh, in this very technology advanced world that we're living in, everything moving so quickly and so so forward, and, and, and it's at a fast pace. The final video set recorder, otherwise known as a VCR, you're thinking to yourself, they still make those? Well, they uh, they did <laughs> up until July of this year. No. So yeah, somebody bought a you know there's enough of a, of a market share where people were still buying VCRs new up until July of this year. So there's something kind of sad about that, though, isn't it? Instead of being oh, instead, of, instead of being good riddance, there's something kind of sad about it, isn't there? It is. What was the last VCR you owned? Do you remember it? Do you remember what it looked like and what year you bought it? The last one I owned. Um, no, I mean no, the last one that you that you yeah you owned or purchased or how you got it. Okay, so um, let's let's Sherman, let's set the Wayback Machine yeah, for 1998. Yeah, okay. so 20 um, years. Yeah. <laughs> About 20 years, um, a young tech force gets his own apartment. Yeah. And he moves out of his parents' house. And what is the first thing he looked for? Um, is it, Of course, a VCR. He needs to have one. So I remember it, and it was a um, RCA. <laughs> Top of the line SVHS. So now you got to understand there's, there's two things. So VHS was, of course, great. But SVHS supposedly had a greater quality. Okay. So, which meant you'd spend fifty to sixty dollars more to get this VCR. Right. Okay. So I got this VCR. Now, where, where was the DVD player at this point? It was still available. Was the DVD player available um, on the market at this no, point? No, it was out. It was already out. Yeah, it was out. It was okay. out, but I did not have the money for it. <laughs> but, 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 but where where was it though? Was it kind of like a thing where like where the VCR was already outdated, or was it still hold its own? Because I would imagine, because, okay, I asked because in 1998, yeah. I worked at Blockbuster Video in 1995, yeah. and we had almost all VCR tapes in 95. Yes. So by 98, when you were going to the video store, they was it still there? Was it, but was it mainly DVDs, or was it, or was it, or was it VCR tapes? Transitioning or, period. So okay, um, the, when, when you go into Blockbuster in 1998, you would start to see that DVD section grow. It was still a substantial number of VHSs because obviously they had a huge mark. They still had that market share and they hadn't been phased out yet. I got it. Okay. Um, but yeah, you could go into Blockbuster at that time. In '98, you plenty, see. plenty of tips. Wow. Okay. Yeah, plenty of tips. So do you? So what happened to that VCR? Um, it's probably in the same place the ET <laughs> cartridges are. <laughs> Buried in, in the desert of Mexico. <laughs> so <laughs> it's no, it's no longer here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's still where you can get to. Yes, you know. Yeah, so. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to share a memory about uh, uh, that. I remember this. Okay, I grew up dirt, 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 dirt poor, and yeah. a lot of people might remember, uh, probably the museum now. The very first VCRs were what they call these these what they call top loaders as compared to front loaders. Uh, meaning, yeah, yeah, yeah. meaning where you would kind of inject the tape, kind of like the original like right, audio right. cassettes, right. and you would slide the tape in and you would push down on it. Yeah, okay? yeah. That'd be unthinkable in this day and age, right? Okay? And then, but then you have the front loading ones. Well, yeah. we couldn't, VCRs were so expensive and so unthinkable to us that a big deal to us when video stores first started opening was that since not everybody had a VCR, because it, right. was, it was a luxury, yeah. you actually could rent the VCR. Okay, uh, I remember that too. And it was almost looked like. Do you remember like whenever you when you order a pizza and how the pizza comes in that warmer type kind of thing? That that's what the, <laughs> I remember. That's no. what the VCR came in. And, and, 
But I didn't know it at the time why. But looking back on it, it was to protect you from this, you know, from spilling stuff on it. Basically, it was just kind of like a VCR koozie, okay, <laughs> that was made out of a hard shell briefcase. Remember, remember that? those? You, yeah. you read those? Yes. And they were horrible looking VCRs. Okay, but to my eight-year-old yeah. self that grew up dirt poor and how proud my, I mean, I, I'm almost going to get emotional right now, how proud my mom Felt and I could see the, the pride on her face when go. she came in and she had that she had that big old thing under her arm and a stack full of movies. How much did they make those for? Well, I remember I, I can remember because yeah. the movies and this this really, let's say maybe they were more at the chains, yeah. but I remember like at the mom and pop VCR play or you know video stores were popping around that you could that new releases were a dollar and the old releases were seventy five cents. Okay. But the VCR was ten dollars, and in right. some places fifteen, which se- which seemed an astronomical amount of money. That's right, like, you know. And so, the look of pride on my mom's face when she would come in and she would just be beaming. Man. We had nothing, man. Yeah. And and but we had each other, and, and thank God for her, man, because yeah. she she's always made sure I had everything that I needed. And Shout out to mom. That's right. And I'm gonna get her on this show one of these days for sure. Please do. And. Uh, but she would walk in with that VCR and that VCR koozie, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And a stack full of movies and knowing that she could do this for us and that we were going to have a good time, you know, tonight. And it was going to be a fun weekend. She and was an MVP. It, that's right. That's right. And so that's my first experience with a VCR. Man. And so I'll bookend that with the fast forward. So that was probably, let's say, sometime around like, you know, 84-ish. Okay. Say, yeah. Yeah, it's about that time. So by 87, when we moved here to Texas, and we had gotten one of those front loader VCRs, and she had to, of course, had to get it through some type of one of those things where they really rip you up with it. At that, that point, VCRs were still going for a couple hundred bucks, yeah, right? Yeah, still, of course. Okay? Right. But it was one of those ones where you could get it now through like Finger Hut or something, but you're going to mention it. But you're going to end up spending about seven, eight hundred bucks for yeah, it, like yeah, a yeah. Center kind of ripoff thing. Right. And I think she ended up spending, I think they ended up using her for almost two grand. <laughs> I'm not kidding, over a couple of years. Good Lord. But it was this beautiful front-loading machine. And God, we thought we were, we, we, we were, we were no longer poor. But that right. You are, you are on top. You're moving on up. Because, because remember, because the, 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 the koozie one only played tapes. This yeah. one recorded shows. That was unthinkable. When I was at school, yeah. I could program it. And back then, it was the whole thing. It was like, Programming a VCR was, you know, equivalent it was like to, a, to rocket science. Yeah. Right? You know? Yeah. You know, most people, they couldn't do that. So. Exactly. So, but isn't it amazing that there's people out there, and, and I feel proud telling that story here at this retro arcade because whenever I'm here, I purposely put in VCR, VHS tapes, just so I can, you know, have a reason to use a VCR again just to experience that. So, not that it's better or quality, it certainly isn't. It's cumbersome and rewinding and all that, but it's not about that. That's right. So, we, so technically, uh, commercially, we say goodbye to the VCR this year, but uh, should we play taps? Yeah, <laughs> but uh, but gone, but certainly not forgotten. Yeah. Uh, now, one thing, another thing I wanted uh, to talk about uh, was talk about some other insanity. This was an Olympic year. Mm-hmm. Now, if you notice, I have purposely really have, have avoided talking politics because it dominated. You've heard enough of it this year with the whole election thing, and that's, and all thing I'm going to tell you is, is that I voted. And I hope, yeah. and you, and I hope you voted too. Did you I vote did. Okay. I did vote. And I'll, I, and we encourage you to vote. 
Right. Uh, and I know that it's just it seems surreal about what's happening, and we're going to stick together in the 2017. We're going to bringing you a bunch of new music, and we're going to be rocking shows. Positive. And the power music. of positivity. Shout out to, to, to Kofi, Xavier, and Big E from the New Day. The power of positivity right there. And, and on Christmas this year, I had myself several times a big old bowl of booty <laughs> Bootyos. <laughs> they make sure this holiday ain't booty. So... <laughs> This is a public service announcement. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Now, there was some weirdness. I'm going to talk about somebody else's politics for a second. Because there was some weirdness this Olympic year with an Olympic host down in Brazil. Now, it's craziness. Okay. Now, what was the dude that was, he kind of became a villain overnight. I almost already forgot his name. Where he invented some wacky story. He lied about it. He was an MMA fighter, I yeah. believe. And then invented that. Um, Someone, I think he was headed was to ATM name? machine. I can't remember his okay, name. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember his name, but I mean, he, he went to ATM machine. Yeah, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, right. And and some and and some uh, guys dressed up as policia yeah. had uh, you know robbed him or whatever, and he made he fabricated the entire story. I never understood what his motivation was for that. I, press, obviously. <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, it was just weird, though. Yeah. But it's really strange that you understand what the the bidding process that goes that goes into hosting uh, you know uh, the Olympics and one of the one of the great cities of the world is Rio de Janeiro. So the fact that Rio was hosting this and, and everything was going on while the country was impeaching their president. <laughs> I mean, what a crazy, unstable, hostile environment. Uh, and, and, and right, so the actual Olympians themselves weren't. Um, you know, uh, you know, feeling like you know, you know, safe, feel safe, no, and all of them. that, None and of so, them and you know, and so they're almost like they were treated like tourists, and they were being reports of being pickpocketed and being beaten up and stuff, whatever. And and I want to give a special shout out to the Special Olympians representing the United States uh, that, that opened the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade this year. Yeah. So you know, kicking ass in uh, Brazil amidst all of that insanity. And then open up a great American tradition yeah. uh, every single year. Uh, do, do you watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade on Thanksgiving Day? Because that's always a big deal in my house. Man, that is something we make sure um, we make it a point to check it out. Yeah, my kids love it. I do too. Um, and and seeing it with my six year old, the way her eyes light up when she sees her favorite characters come up. Yeah, and Sesame Street and Big Bird jumps out. And he's singing and dancing. Um, it, it's it's been the same, man. And your your six year old is is a character uh, all by herself. She's a, she's a bigger personality than anybody in that parade. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah, but better believe it. Well, it's a staple in my house growing up, and and uh, it's something I've, I haven't missed since I've, I've been alive. And I'm proud to say that I've been home for Thanksgiving every year except for two years of my life, uh, 2007 and 2014. And both of those years, the reason why I wasn't at home, because I was at the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Oh, get so, out of here. You actually saw it in person. Well, you know, I lived in in, the, in, in Brooklyn for eight years. You right, know, right. Okay. Yeah. And so I always went home. So it's like if I couldn't be home for Thanksgiving, it's not like, you know, I'm like some of our, our armed forces that are overseas and away from their families and all that. It was like I couldn't be with my family, but... I was at me because I was at the Macy's I mean, Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's so. the biggest excuse that you could probably that's right. have. At least they could see me on TV. Right. Okay. <laughs> Hi, Mom. 
So, okay, so, uh, you know, so, so, so we survived uh, Brazil. We survived that. Um, again, like I said, I would be remiss without talking about another huge, huge loss this year. Uh, the, the, the athlete of, of the century, uh, part of the, one of the greatest spectacles ever, the fight of the century would be the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali. Oh man, that, what he did for African-Americans, um, the way the world viewed us, the way that he stuck to who he was and was a person that lived with principles and understanding and tried to seek out faith and truth and just stay true to himself and had a respect level for everyone, but first commanded respect for himself, set the precedent for, for other athletes. Um, it, 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 if you go back and, and, and just watch how he conducted himself, there was not fear in his eyes. What it was was understand that I'm a human being understand that I'm a warrior. I, I'm one that is here to, to, to do what I love, but at the same time, you got to make sure that you respect me in that brain. That's right. That's right. That's who he was. And, and that type of loss, I don't, it, it goes back to what you said specifically about, you know, it doesn't matter what age you are. That's right. A loss is a loss. That's right. And that man influenced generations. So his loss, but, but his impact, the way he was would be felt generations well it's important to me that, you know to have you speak uh, about something because there's i was greatly influenced by muhammad ali like we are he was the greatest my dad loved muhammad ali i grew up watching his fights his outspokenness they kind of i think kind of led to my love of professional wrestling and the colorfulness of it but again transcending all of that as uh you know during a very very uh volatile time Extremely. Uh, you know for, you know, with the war in Vietnam. And so people looked to him that he was an outspoken person from the coming court, born Cassius Clay, becoming a Muslim, becoming the, the great Muhammad Ali. Right. But there, is an, there, but there is an experience to the, you know, the influence of Muhammad Ali that you were, could speak of that I can't. As an African-American, it's important to me that I wanted to hear you. I, wanted, I, I was loving what you were saying. And I wanted to know what was, what was Muhammad Ali like? you growing up in your household what my, kind of presence did muhammad ali hold in your in your household my dad made it a point to tell me about whoever we watched on tv uh, that was african-american because him growing up in the 60s saw it firsthand yeah um my father got to see the fights with joe frazier and uh and with george George Foreman. Right. In, in person or, or on, on TV? Uh, or? On TV. Right, right. I think he got to see one fight that happened in Houston, but we didn't go into detail about right. it. Um, but he got to see everything happen in, in the time of turmoil when the civil rights movement was going on. Right. And, and, and back then, um, black people, we looked for anybody that could give us some type of semblance of, of truth on it. Anything or to look forward right. to, normalcy. Yeah. Um, and you had entertainers who were um, more outspoken, some that, you know, that didn't really want to talk about the division in the country. Right, sure. Uh, Muhammad Ali, from what he told me, was one that did, and that's who he identified with. Do you think it was because of the symbol of strength? I mean, like, do you think if he was more of, like, you know, of, like, a Farrakhan character? Uh, I don't mean, I don't mean Farrakhan as a character, I mean, but 
Farrakhan's to a lot of people seems very, very foreign because you know he dresses kind of kind of in a way that a lot of people don't see. He has a you right. know he has an unusual name. Uh, whereas he speaks uh, of strength and represents strength. He himself was actually quite a, a very a very fragile kind of looking uh, small person of stature. Do you right. think, what do you think that how much did that play into the ring that Muhammad Ali seemed to be literally the baddest guy on the planet? Do you think that that his it, it, it was hard not to look to him for strength, right? right. Yeah. And, but it was more than that for growing up as an African American, you know, growing up in an African American household. You know? Well, I think. Um, and this is with people with color, period. Um, I mean, when, when you when you look on TV, uh, especially in the 60s, all you saw was Caucasian yeah. heroes. That's all you right. saw was Caucasian uh, people that were someone to look up to. And and that tradition continued well into the 80s and 90s. It started changing, and now you're right. starting to see finally change. But back in the 60s, we didn't have a lot of people to look up to. That's right. There weren't musicians. There weren't entertainers. There weren't fighters. Or you weren't bringing the TV set and seeing, seeing some of the represented you. Right. You see, you know, Dean Martin and you see, you know, some of the, uh, you know, you got uh, Rock Hudson and whoever was on TV that was supposed to be a strong character, but that didn't identify with you. Right. So here you have someone that is in the ring that is really talking out of character and and in some, a lot of most southern states would get you killed. Yeah. On TV, saying I'm the baddest so and so, and you can't mess with me, and I, you know, float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. You come to my face, you won't mess with me. Yeah. And he's saying that in camera to plenty of white people. Yeah. And they don't do anything but sit back and fall back, and may say something out of character off camera, but they can't respect it because when he goes in the ring, he closes. Deal. That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and so there's, there's no a, challenging that. There is a, a strength. There's a respect in strength. That's why we respect MMA fighters. And that's why we respect NBA players and people who do insurmountable things. We respect right. strength, and that's at a core human level. And also, not just a masterpiece fighter, but a masterpiece human being. Yeah. And transcending on all that, you know, refusing to go, to, you know, to like, you know, for the whole Vietnam War thing. Yes. Uh, Standing up, you know, he was he was he was one of those, those rare figures, and maybe the rarest figure rarest. That we've seen yet uh, of somebody that, that that encapsulated everything and and somehow calmed everybody's fears, and right. and it, it becomes less less of a of a of a color, uh, you know, you know, thing, and, and, and less about race because the presence that he held in my home right. was on the same par as you know as any other. Great, of greatness. Awesome. You know what I mean. In, awesome. in my house, yes. growing up, and so, so, uh, so of course we had to we had to say farewell to. I said, you know, to, to the great, the greatest of all time. You know, yeah. the, 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 you know, he was the greatest, the great Muhammad Ali. Yeah. Um, somebody else that was uh, recognized this year finally, um, for some their contributions to literature when they announced the Nobel Prize winners this year at the end. Was for the, the the winner for literature was of course Bob Dylan. There you go. And what an amazing thing to see that these contributions of like I said, people from the '60s. That's right. Like Muhammad Ali's message is still relevant. Things that don't go out of style. Right. And uh, and finally Bob Dylan and kind of the ultimate middle finger of still being rebellious <laughs> and still being kind of like 
you know, I validate you, you don't validate me. Right. Kind of thing. It's kind of like, you know, people kind of, you know, debate about who's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and all that. And it's kind of like, when you have somebody like Bob Dylan, you think, okay, well, you know, they think that they're legitimizing his literature by putting him in the Nobel Prize, where he's saying, no, me being in there is like legitimizing your little, your little academy there. Yeah, right. So right. much so that I'm, I'm going to have some fun with it and tell you how, how little this means to me and not even, you know, acknowledge you and have you kind of sweat me. And he, wow. he's not doing this in his 20s. Yeah. He's doing this now in his 70s. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then finally, uh, you know, for, for, I'm sure there was some motivations, he sent the great poet laureate, uh, Patty Smith, uh, in his place to go accept the award for him and to send him a message that you know that she had about something that they both care about. But I thought that was very, very strong and a great message. And nothing against I had nothing against the, the Nobel uh, organization, but yeah. it was so great to see that in a world of where it's very, very hard to believe in things, that you know, for me, like I said, Prince was my one constant. He was right. he was rebellious and he was an outsider, outsider to the, to the very end. Yeah. And to see Bob Dylan, uh, to, to, you're right. You know what I'm saying? Going the same vein. It's yeah. it's 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 a consistency that, that, that that's undeniable. And so that that's kind of hard not to to you know to kind of want to give it up to that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um. So. You know, there, there, again, there's so much that happened in 2016 that we would like to forget. There's people that we lost that we will never forget. Right. Uh, there are things that happened uh, that we will be forced to always remember. Uh, one thing I wanted to say is that, that also that came to the end this year was the only other thing I want to say about politics was uh, was very, very sad to see the end of the Obama administration uh, coming to a close chapter because we're talking about a family for eight years. Uh, that represented nothing but elegance and class and grace. Yes. No mistresses, no scandals, nope. no nothing, None but just smooth and progress. And uh, one of my proudest moments, and think about this, we had eight years of Bill Clinton, and it was kind of cool because he was cool playing saxophone in our city hall on one right, hand, right. but on the other hand, you know, he's fooling around and, playing, you know, yeah. not, not very presidential. And then we had, at that point, what I consider to be the worst president in the history of, and I'm not trying to get any kind of political debate, but I don't care if you're Democrat or Republican, George W. Bush, especially Ooh. coming from Texans, is is uh, is a cartoon character yeah. uh, any way you slice it. So, yeah. so finally, the progress that, talk about being representative, that we finally had a man of color or anyone of color, I don't want to be gender specific here, in the White House. Right. But what a great statement that of all the nonsense that we had experienced, that here somebody that did more in his first hundred days of his administration, also a, the segue is also a Nobel uh, uh, Prize winner for peace uh, right. uh, in, uh, in 2008, beginning his, his second term. Uh, so that's a family that I will be, Sad not to uh, be seen on my television weekly. Uh, you know, I wanted to say that when he was elected uh, in 2004, I'm proud to say that I was in Times Square. I was seeing, wow, uh, I was seeing, you know, African American men that would normally be, be somebody that would, you know, you'd be, you're an African American man, you know, that 
into culture where showing weakness is not something it's, that comes yeah, natural. And to see people of all color and all races and all genders and no pretension openly weeping in the right. streets of New York and being a part of that and, and dancing in the streets is something that I'll never forget. And I was on the the mall. Uh, uh, you know, I didn't I wasn't that close to Aretha and that hat and, <laughs> and singing. But I was there and yeah. uh, and and to be able to be a part of that and uh, really it's two thousand and four is one of one of my proudest moments uh, of my life. So, uh, what was that like? What was that like? like do you remember, what, what, what do you remember when when Obama got elected two thousand and four? Um, I remember thinking that here here it is. Here is what I can show my son, what he can achieve. That's right. In my mind. Him being, you know, two years old at the time, um, thinking that, all right, we first, first of all, we have this change. We wanted this. This is what we prayed for. This is what we voted for. It's about to be this change. It's about to happen. Everything yeah. is gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna be better. And I remember, I remember crying. I, I cried myself. My parents. I remember calling my folks. That's what I wanted. My dad, you know, telling me, son, we did it. That son, we're here. And that's all he wanted to show me. Right, right. So it it, it was general. It was a generational um, happiness. Yeah, it wasn't. That's just a good term for it. Generational happiness, because because he didn't get to see it. Yeah. He, he he only wished and prayed and marched and had a certain and, and to fight to finally see the fight. culmination that it was all it wasn't all for nothing. God. It was it wasn't all for nothing. It see? wasn't all for nothing to fight. And it was all for everything. My God. So to see that. Leads hope even in this time right now, and it doesn't you know whoever you voted for. Right. The last thing that you gotta have is hope. Yeah. You have to have hope. Great, if you the don't, greatest Jackson, but keep hope alive. Man, know, that was just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I love hearing that from you because that was something that I, I wanted to have. And again, I'm not trying to make it all about race, but again, there's gonna be a unique perspective. No, absolutely. No matter what, that, that you're gonna have the sibling and then, you see, and, and what, what people need to understand. And we can talk about that, you know. That's what needs to happen is yeah. dialogue. The yeah. only way people can understand each other right. is talking. That's right. That's Sit. right. That's right. Because in that moment, I I, I wanted a Democrat in the end, you know, and I, and I believe in his his policy, regardless of, of, of the party affiliation. But B, I, I did like the idea of him being. First and foremost, just because he, he was, he was uh, you know, a, a, an African-American, he had to be qualified for the job. And compared to John McCain, you know, American war hero, not a politician, right? Yeah. So, and I, but I did like the idea of what also it was going to bring because it could now show a uh, a young uh, African American yeah. uh, or anybody of ethnicity of color that, 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 that you can you can be this too. Whereas before, a lot of a lot of people think you know a lot of the, the, the crime and things that a lot of minorities get into because they think that you know, well, what are we going to do? What we're disenfranchised, right? right? So I wanted to, to, to offer uh, my gratitude for the last eight years of the progress that we've seen and experienced and held for all minorities from uh, African-Americans to Hispanics to the LGBTQ community uh, and all that. And just carry, them, carry themselves with nothing but grace and elegance and pride. And I, uh, I, and I, was, I, was, I was proud to say that I uh, supported that administration. I voted for them and I was... Uh, there when uh, he got sworn in. So, so, Wonderful. so sorry to so sad to say also goodbye uh, to the Obamas. But I'm but yeah. uh, uh, 
and you know, and last but not least, man, I wanted to, to you know, to say to you, uh, Darren, that I'm so excited about 2017 and what it's going to hold for us. I am happy to put this very cruel prank of a oh, year so cool. uh, to, so cool. to bed and, and, and to all the people that we lost this year. But we, you and I have, we have, we, we, we found uh, each other in this union of, of music and hip hop and love of, of passions and, and to be able to, to just to have a talk like this, a dialogue and just, we talk like this all the time. We're just having to be recording this one. Yeah, absolutely. And so look out 2017 because Tech Force with DJ Tricky Kid, uh, we're, 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 we're coming and we're coming large. And I tell you right now, it, we're ending 2016 with a big bang at the Marvel New Year. And that's that's just the, that's just the, 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 the first lid of the fuse. You better be there. This is what's going to be on 2017. So, so before we, we wrap this up, uh, again, like I said, you know, all the people that we lost this year and this even this, this week, for Christ's sake, um, yeah. With, uh, you know, with Carrie Fisher and our Princess Leia. Um, oh, man. And so uh, before we say, say, say goodbye, again, where, where, where can, can people find, find you on, on, the, on the Webster's there? Um, shout out. Thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right now. Um, you can find me on techforcentral.com um, on all so- social media platforms. Um, you can look for my albums on techforce1.bandcamp.com. Both Tech Support and Server Crash Part 1 are on there. You can find me on Instagram, as TechForce. Uh, Twitter handle is TechForceRises. And uh, I'm sure i got a couple more out there, but yeah, uh, that's where you can find me. Great. And again, I'm so glad that you were here. Like I said, this this is the first of, of, of many. The sky's living for us. And again, yes. also you can find us at tricky-kid.com. Go to Facebook, Tricky Kid Radio Podcast. If you go to iTunes and type in Tricky Kid Radio, you'll show, find shows just like this one each and every single week. Always free. Uh, and we're all about fun here. And of course, find us on, on Twitter at Tricky Kid the Number Two. And subscribe to our YouTube channel. Lots of great stuff. You can see uh, the great video of Tech and I rocking this, this very arcade right here at Christmas yeah. time at Tricky Kid TV. And again, like I said, for all the people that we lost this year, and I said even this week, for Christ's sake, uh, with our great princess of Carrie Fisher right, and yeah. even her mom with you know Debbie Reynolds uh, today even as a matter of fact um, yeah. I just want to say is 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 cliche as it sounds I just want to say may the force be with us all uh, and I want to leave you with the, the, what we we lost on Christmas Day one of uh, the great songs that I uh, one of those songs that yeah, you never get tired of hearing that always has that same impact every single time and it seems to be very very fitting for. The, the end this episode the end this year it's a, we're going to leave you with George Michael's uh, father figure and, oh, uh, once again one of my favorite songs love this song. Favorite song and I want you to be able to hear this wherever you are happy new year please stay safe have a great time this year uh, from a main man tech force here uh, I'm Roy Turner and uh, happy new year everybody we'll see you soon happy new year